Hi everyone, I'm Mimi Nicklin, and this is Secrets of the Gap, a podcast where we will be delving into the secrets and stories of the global empathy gap from workplaces and society. With your time in mind, each episode is only 20 minutes, with the goal of connecting with fascinating people from across the globe to look at the wide-reaching impact of the empathy deficit that is affecting our businesses and our lives today. We will be discussing the value of emotional intelligence and empathy, and given our experience of 2020 so far, well, I believe this conversation couldn't be better timed. Welcome to a new episode of Secrets of the Gap. I'm thrilled you joined us. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Secrets of the Gap podcast. I'm incredibly excited today to have Almudena Gill here with me uh, for part two of our conversation around empathy. Almudena and I have known each other a long time and go, go back a number of years across our corporate lives. Um, but today, Almu is the founder of Unlimited Potential and a mind mentor at Quality Mind Global. Last time we spoke, um, Almudena and I spoke a lot about empathy in the corporate space. Uh, what does that mean for leaders and leadership? Today, we're going to go a little bit more personal. We're going to go a little deeper into our personal lives and what that means for us as people and talk about self-empathy, which has been a theme that has really been gathering in recent weeks. And I know from feedback on my own sessions and my Empathy for Breakfast show that these themes are probably more wanted and needed now than ever before. So Almudena, I am so excited to have you back. Welcome. Thank you, Mimi. Thank you so much. This is very exciting to be here with you again, yet on another chapter, probably this one more relevant uh, than the one we did because it has to do with with ourselves and, and at a very personal level. So very, very exciting to be here with you again. Thank you. And, and I want to say thank you in advance because you're right. This is a this is going to tap on some of your personal journey. And I feel really honored um, to be having that conversation with you. And I know you have a book coming out as well, which we'll touch on at the end, which is going to tell that story a little bit more. Thank you. Um, so let's start with self-empathy. Um, for you, Almudena, on your terms, what, what is self-empathy? Oh, my God. Well, to me, very simply in it, just a few words. I mean, self-empathy is acknowledging that, you know, like all human beings, one deserves understanding and, and compassion uh, because it should start with oneself. But, you know, contrary to what logic would tell us, many times it is a lot easier to show empathy for others than to have it with us in the first place. And this was <laughs> precisely my case for a very long, long time. So um, really eager to talk about this topic um, because um, we just don't practice it enough and we badly need it and today more than ever. And I'm sure we'll touch on that as well. Yeah, and and we do. And I think especially in these months, right? Um, it's, it's been easy for some people to empathize with others around them. But as you said, sometimes sometimes we forget ourselves. And I know you from a from your own health journey, your career journey, but which ultimately resulted in your, your own health and, and how you saw your health and wellness. You went through quite a lot of, um, I don't know, ups and downs in discovering what that self-empathy meant for you. And, you know, to the extent that you're willing to share, tell us a little bit about how you discovered that you needed to empathize with yourself and, and what the signs were and then what you did about that. Fantastic. Well, you know, I started my own learning journey about self-empathy and the mind-body connection for performance and overall well-being a good 10 years ago. And, and what kick-started the process was that I was diagnosed with cancer. 
And when this happened, I started to dig into the matter in a very serious and disciplined way. And I mean, it has taken me a good 10 years and two additional cancer diagnoses to get to the bottom of it. And more importantly, to internalize it and integrate all the learnings into my own health. The third relapse hit me particularly hard and I kind of instantly understood, you know, life was sending a strong repeated message to just get my act together, this time from the inside out. Because, you know, until then I had transformed various aspects of my life, mostly connected to the outside world. I had decided to leave my corporate job, was transitioning out of it, had radically changed my diet, even started to incorporate some good needed exercise into my life routine on top of all of the traditional treatments. But this proved to be incomplete because I had on the other side also been incredibly inspired, you know, by numerous talks, books, words of wisdom, many authors, non-traditional doctors and so on. But, you know, had failed. I was incapable of putting the learnings into definite personal action because frankly enough, inspiration is not enough. So particularly when it comes to cancer, as this is kind of a complex disease and naturally connected to a lot of fear and an overall overwhelming state of mind. But, you know, this time around, I was determined to move and the life then picked up the signal and just put the right people and the right data and process in my path to help me navigate the storm with additional and exceptional knowledge and tools coming from a combo of a lot of places, you know, neuroscience, heart mass technology, NLP, positive psychology, I mean, just to name uh, a few. But to keep a long story short, only a couple of months into the process, I learned that my own disease had been caused by my lack of uh, self-empathy. But just let me explain, because, you know, cancer in my belief, and luckily the beliefs of more and more scientists today, is in, in a majority or in a large percentage of cases an emotional disease and is linked with a persisting debilitating state of mind which inevitably impacts your perception of reality, the body chemistry and its capacity to produce vital energy. But let me explain these three dimensions so everyone can get a little bit of the complete picture of, of why and how it works. I mean, energetically, when a debilitating state of mind is majorly sustained for a prolonged period of time, even years, you get into what the new scientific world calls sustained energetic deficit. This basically meaning that you're indeed and in need of more energy than the one you're capable of producing. And this literally drains you and making your cells age faster than originally designed for. So in a nutshell, emotions produce more or less energy, depending on how positive or negative they are. So good emotions produce lots of it, and negative emotions produce too little. And this is crucial because, you know, at the end of the day, as humans, we are 95% energy. And in the case of cancer, sustained negative emotions eventually transform that energetic deficit in, into disease. Chemically, we also have today scientific evidence which demonstrates that emotions and thoughts rule our body chemistry and that those emotions instruct the body to perform and produce the needed sub substances required for it to cope with concrete states of minds and circumstances. And when that state of mind is negative and debilitating, our bodies get into survival mode. And to illustrate this better, I mean, the body reacts as if you were fleeing away from a hungry tiger in the middle of the jungle. 
and it starts segregating adrenaline and cortisol. And this basically enables your body to literally run for your life. The blood concentrates on your extremities to get the extra energy rush you need. And in this process, the organs and other body functions get simply deprioritized, like the immune system. Mm. And it is, I mean, don't get me wrong, it is a genius mechanism, but it's not designed to last for a long or sustained period of time. You know, after all, we're not supposed to face <laughs> hungry tigers in the savannah very often. But, you know, <laughs> un un unfortunately, in today's world, this is a common feeling mm -hmm. as, you know, stress is at its heart. And when you double click into this word, which is kind of too big and broad, in the case of cancer, the lack of self-empathy is commonly found. So at the origin of the disease lies the individual's harsh, continued judgment towards oneself. And it can then take many names like sustained feelings of guilt or shame or rage. But when you mm. see life through these kinds of lenses, everything is hard work, takes a lot of effort. And one never manages to feel good enough about the outcomes. And then the arrow inevitably points back again at you and the vicious circle continues, draining your energy day in and day out. And in my case and through my journey, I realized I had spent a good 30 years of my life incapable of self-love and self-compassion. Mm -hmm. I was, again, very diligent at taking care of others and being empathetic to those around me, but just had kept kind of impossible expectations for myself, becoming obsessed with perfection and feeling guilty most of the time for every little mistake, big and small and simply incapable of forgiving myself. So not surprisingly, this kind of base design and internal GPS was kind of flawed by, by design. Because self-empathy, yeah. Go on, go, ahead. go on. No, I mean, no, I was going to say, I think I, <laughs> this is the problem with recording over distance. Um, I was going to say, I think, um, you know, our relationship, when I, when I first met you, I can, I can remember that. Your kindness and and empathy outwards was um you know one of the reasons that I always loved you as my leader at the time and that everybody loved you Almudena you were a very you know very loved leader um and I think it's fascinating to hear that because I think people don't think about um ourselves in many of those um realities and you know when I hear you talk about fight and flight and all the cortisol and our bodies um, I write about that quite a lot in my book. Um, and the, the amazing thing is so much of that comes from ancient medicine systems, right? So exactly. when I trained as a yoga therapist, which was, um, which is for the listeners out there is 700 hours. So it's a medical system. It's not just yoga teaching. And, um, you know, that the, the basis of Ayurvedic medicine, which is the Indian medicine, mm -hmm. medicine system is based on this, right? Is based on fight and flight and just not giving yourself the self-empathy, the self-compassion, the self-love, I think you said earlier, to think about yourself and how you're feeling. And, and obviously my experience of you was of such a, a compassionate and kind and empathetic leader. But what you're saying really is that that external empathy wasn't converting to, you know, to energy to yourself. And in the end, you believe that's made you unwell. Yes, uh, definitely. And um, now, I mean, the good news is now we have scientific data that supports those ancient, incredibly wise philosophies. And and for us, at least for me, who used to be a very rational <laughs> individual, data is always very empowering. 
because you know but but to be to follow the conversation um the lack of self-empathy impacts your self-esteem and your self-worth ultimately so not surprisingly when you are too harsh to yourself you you tend to think you're never good enough and you kind of feel like a constant failure or even a fraud even if the outside world is telling you the opposite and this produces one of two possible outcomes one you boycott yourself and become a loser convince you won't be able to accomplish anything or two you force yourself to deliver at any cost come what may and i definitely fell into the second category but you know in any case you're putting your body to tremendous constant pressure and and a harsh survival mode so it's just a matter of time before your body starts shouting at you in the form of anxiety or depression or in my case an, an autoimmune disease which is you know your own immune system doing boycotting your 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 own self because the other in, and this is the third dimension uh, in terms of what happens is that mentally now also science can very meticulously explain how despite hard factual evidence of a different reality your mind is implacable in delivering on its mission to prove you right so if you're feeling small the mind is simply put making sure you pick up all the signals around you which affirm that precise feeling and that means that you will simply not be able to see opportunities around you and the opposite happens when you are feeling invincible and capable your mind will pick up every evidence around you which reassures you that this is the case and good things start to happen so it's it's we are and we have that kind of power because what basically this data is telling us is that we are constantly creating our own reality so there is no such thing as luck or destiny or bad luck i mean it you are literally in every moment of your day and of your life creating what you will bring into your life as well so in my case it took me i mean incredibly it just was kind of a couple of months and and i was finally able to break these old beliefs and behavioral patterns and i forgave myself came to peace with my past and uh, and accepted there is strength and courage behind every mistake one makes yeah. because there is immense freedom behind self empathy and you know this freedom to be yourself to fail yeah freedom to embrace challenges and turn them into opportunities so i mean i'm happy to say that today i'm physically and emotionally cured and uh, have as a result become a passionate advocate for the world uh, of empathy in all of its variables because contrary to what you know popular the popular saying says that we are what we eat we are what we feel and think and as such we have a tremendous power within us to heal but equally to hurt ourselves which is why this is so relevant today we have to unlearn a lot of things we have to learn new things new habits and groom new sustained positive emotions and self love that's that the heart of of what the world really needs today almi I, i just love listening to you as i said you know from my yoga teaching all the way to the work that i'm now doing in the empathy space so much of what you say is so um relevant to me and it just it feels so wonderful to hear somebody else um you know follow the same beliefs but equally have um experienced physically the benefits of that and as you said three times you fought this disease and um i'm incredibly proud of you and just i don't know what the right word is to say to someone that has been through that journey i, f- I feel like you sort of want to say well done in some silly way but 
I mean, what a journey you've been through, because as you said, that is real resilience. That is a real shift from this very corporate treadmill to saying, hang on a minute, I am going to empathize with myself. I'm going to heal myself, not once, but three times. Um, and that's just a phenomenal, a phenomenal journey you've been through. Tell me just, you know, in, in a couple of sort of points, I'm sure the listeners, and if I was a listener, I would be thinking this, um, are wondering, so how might I do this? Perhaps they don't have a, a disease or something sort of really blocking their way, but perhaps they're listening to you today and they're saying, I'm inspired by this lady, Almudena. I want to start practicing a little bit more self-empathy. How might they do that? What's the first few steps? The, the first few big step is awareness. Because, you know, 95% of all of the mental programs that we use day in and day out in our own personal computer is something we learned between the ages of zero and seven years old. 95% of everything we are and the way we see life and the way we react to life was inserted into our subconscious at the age of zero to seven without us having any vote or say on everything that we had been absorbing. So unless you intentionally do something at an adult age to transform those programs, to eliminate those that don't work anymore, to install new programs, you need that awareness. And it starts by kind of a cleaning process. So it's kind of a, a self journey in which you understand who you are, where you are, why you are the way you are, and you start very actively choosing what serves my purpose in this life and what do I need to get rid of. So there's, there are lots of tools, obviously, to guide you through this self-discovery journey and, and choiceful journey because it's all about choices. And it's about just creating new mental habits. So just the same way you go to the gym, you have to repeat and repeat and repeat new mental uh, thoughts and the consequence of, that, of those thoughts, which is a very different emotion. So, I mean, it's, it's, and, and then you can create space for transformation. And it, it, it's, it, I mean, we touch into nine um, areas that, you know, come from three basic places. One's the body, the other is the mind, and the last but not least, it's the soul. And the soul is more about intuition and just a purpose, you know, living a purposeful life and figuring out what is that purpose. But we touch on all those threes and eventually you can know where you want to go and, and put all your energy and focus and clarity and mind space to getting there. And that's when things and the clouds start to clear out and you can see the sun and you can start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. In, in the case of my disease, that was the case. But it happened really fast because it's, it's amazing how, how much the body wants to heal. Our mm. nature is to be good. Our nature is to thrive and feel good and be happy. And the minute the body picks that desire up, oh, my God, it just gets excited and wants to follow it because it's, that's its nature. That's where he wants to be. That's where your heart wants to be. That's where your head wants to be. So it's just getting it started with awareness, with discipline, with repetition. And, and, and you mentioned a very important word, uh, which is this word about resilience. And, uh, 
And I think that the world continues to put external focus and reward stimulus, you know, social media systems. And we've become obsessed with benchmarking everything and equally, you know, comparing ourselves to everyone else. The number of likes of Instagram, the way we look, where we go on vacations, our job titles, families. And this is not only stressful, but it's impacting our self-esteem back to what I was mentioning. And as I explained earlier, many times we come to the conclusion that we're not good enough or pretty enough or smart enough. And the impact this has in our own selves of self-worth is significant. And we have kind of become accomplices of our own trap and creating an apparent perfect world where everyone else has the perfect family, the perfect home, the perfect job, yeah. vacation. And by default, all somewhat have come to the conclusion that we're simply not good enough or have enough in one aspect of another. And a diminished self-esteem makes, makes by default self-empathy self to be very challenging. So instead of celebrating who we are and our conquest, uh, we simply put the energy on looking for the gaps, judging, fixing our flaws, and feeling angry simply because life has given us a far from ideal inventory of qualities and virtues versus everyone else. And the lack of self-empathy is incapable of producing resilience. Yeah. And resilience is something that's becoming crucial as we navigate this storm we are all in right now, uh, globally, as a result of the pandemic and the consequences it's bringing economically, but also socially. And one of the consequences is mental, mental health, because resilience, by definition, is the capacity we all have to face adversity and project it forward in a positive way by finding latent capabilities, resources, and things you have within you and that you become aware. But if you have a lack of self-empathy and you have a, an impacted self-esteem, it's just very hard to get to resilience. I think and, that it, it, yeah. uh, it's such a valid point. I often say that the, there are two enemies for empathy. Uh, one of them is time, and that's particularly relevant in a corporate environment where we're all running around all the time. And the other is stress. Because you're absolutely right. When you are in that state of stress, that fight or flight moment, when you've got cortisol flying through your veins, your brain is actually incapable, incapable physically of moving the energy, of moving your blood, of your cells um, to a part of your brain that can fuel that emotional strength, resilience, the ability to understand others, the ability to understand yourselves, because obviously your body is far too busy pumping energy into this place where you can escape that stress and get back to balance so listen I, I feel like when I listen to you I like I can change the world Almudena because it's really empowering you know I talk a lot to my listeners about the fact that empathy is a learned skill and that you can practice it and that always comes back to the neuroplasticity of your brain because as you said earlier on if you tell your brain to do something it will it's a little bit like a loyal dog you tell exactly. it to do something, it will do that. So if we all come out of this podcast um, taking away one thing from you and your phenomenal healing journey um, and where that's led you today, I think that would be the one takeaway I'd want people to take away, which is that we are in control of that destiny. We're in control of our ability to empathize with ourselves and others, but in this case with ourselves, and that we can we can make a change. Um to close off, because as you know, I always like to keep these short because from an empathetic point of view, I know that our listeners are all on their way somewhere else. Um, but to close off, I want to talk about your book because you are in the process of writing about this. Yes. And I would love you just for a minute or so just to tell the listeners what you're writing, um, where they're going to be able to find you and what they can expect 
Uh, what can they learn from, from what you're writing and the story that you're going to tell? Well, yes, thank you. So, yes, very exciting. It's, it's a few months uh, away. Uh, so it's literally a very personal book about my own healing journey and learnings. And uh, it is crucial not only uh, because of what that means, but it's part of my growth process. Uh, sharing my story with others was one of the most important conclusions I reached while unraveling the hidden gifts behind the conquest of my own self-empathy because it's tangible proof of kind of my renewed confidence and shows I have successfully moved from simply being strong to being courageous because courage is about showing your weakness and sharing your weakness with others. And that's a very empowering. And that's precisely what the book is about, is about all the ups and a lot of the downs and just what I did in, 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 in sequence to learn what I had to learn and, and, make it very personal because obviously that's where I tell about um, specifically the origin of my disease and what was that mental pattern and when was it engraved in my brain forever and how to, to transform it. So I think what, what people can expect out, out of that uh, book is that I think using examples, which is always the best way to learn something, is you know using my own journey and my own process to... Um, put a little bit of light into the theory, into the conceptual, more, you know, um, intellectual exercise of, of, of all the data out there. And I'm not doing this because of a, my own personal ego, but simply as a proof that I have totally transformed myself. And I, I became a quality mentor as I finished that process. And I'm using those same tools uh, and, and technology to help both people and corporations. And I'm feeling immensely grateful for the transformational power this kind of personal activation system can have on anyone willing to take full ownership of their lives and simply decide to make it extraordinary. And, and that's what self-empathy uh, does, to your point about power. We have so much power. We just need to feel it, believe it, and use it to our own advantage and everything's possible from, from that place. So yes, looking forward to, to the, to the, to the book. Me <laughs> too. Oh my gosh. Almudena, I mean, that can, you know, what did you just say? Feel it and, and own it. Um, just, I knew this was going to be a good conversation, but I feel like it's been an even better conversation than I, than I hoped. Um, because as I said, the word that comes to mind, and I don't even like this word, but the word that comes to mind is empowering. Um, and I try not to use that word because it's not a word that I, I generally like. And the reason I don't like it is because I think it assumes that you don't have power and you need to be empowered. Yeah. However, today you've spoken a lot about power and, and I mentioned it too, that we have power. We have power to change. We have power to empathize with ourselves and with others. And as all of the data and research that I've been studying and writing about and talking about I believe, and I think when we listen to you, you believe that empathy can change the world. Uh, it can change our health. It can change our relationships. Uh, it can change us on a social level. And uh, it's just something we need to, you know, it's a conversation we need to keep having. So thank you so much for joining. And absolutely, I will put all the links again to your sites and everything um, in the show notes so that the listeners can find you, can follow up, can have their own conversations with you. And I really hope that, again, uh, that our work, yours and mine, Almudena, continue to intersect in the months and years ahead, because I think you just have the most uh, phenomenal set of learnings 
that anyone, whether they're ill or looking for change or just looking to fulfill their potential, um, that people could be learning from you. So you're grateful for your process. I'm incredibly grateful to you and you being here to join me on the show. And thank you so much for coming back for uh, what has been a fantastic second round of conversation. Thank you, Mimi. My my honor. All my honor. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Dana. Everybody else that's here listening with us today, I hope you feel um, like I did. I hope that the extra eight minutes of the show today was really worthwhile for those eight minutes of you listening to Almudena and I talk about self-empathy and emotions and how we have the power to change our outlook and indeed our journeys and future. So thank you very much for joining us today and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Secrets of the Gap. Bye everyone. That's it for today. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to continue the conversation, I'm often on LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook and all the links follow my name. My new book, Softening the Edge, will be out this August and I'm counting the days. Meanwhile, all the details are on my website at www.miminiklin.com. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you tuning in and until next time, have a great day. Bye.